Super Friends, Superflex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Football.com and the DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's Tommy B, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Hey, Super Friends, a uh, very special edition of the Superflex Super Show today. We're not going to be going over some of the roster moves that you may be contemplating uh, late in the week here in week four, week five, actually. Now, um, we're going to talk strategy. And I brought on probably the smartest person I know, a real doctor, um, <laughs> a great person, and my wife. Hey, Caitlin, how's it going? Oh, hey, Tommy. It's going great. That was a fun intro. Yeah. So my normal co-host, John, the Superflex dude, has this amazing voice. Um, and he does the intro every week, except when I'm going solo or... I have a guest on and I can never do it justice, but I give it a shot anyway, because that's the theme of the show and we just go with it. Um, but the theme of today's show is something totally different than anything I've ever talked about um, on the Superflex Super Show. We're going to be talking about a lot of the psychology behind playing fantasy football, but I think we need to get something out of the way right off the bat. I think you need to tell the super friends your experience playing fantasy football, um, how many leagues you're in, mm-hmm. um, and just, yeah, your general knowledge of the fantasy and the dynasty space. <clears throat> oh, fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, let me back up. My name is Dr. Caitlin Fang. I have a PhD in clinical psychology and um, and my background is in cognitive behavioral therapies and specifically dialectical behavioral therapy. And my research is around emotion regulation. So I have a totally different world. I am in zero leagues and have never played fantasy football. So everything I know is from at the beginning, picking names that I was like, you know what? Dobbins, that is a good name. I like that dude <laughs> I am on team Dobbins. And then like, as it turns out, I have a pretty good intuition when it comes to randomly picking names. And so I have had very strong preferences. I have, I think, impacted Tommy's decision-making in some ways, even when it goes against his very data-driven, fact-driven brain. Um, 
So that is my experience. I have no idea what the rules are. I have no idea how to play football. When I watch football, it annoys him because I'm constantly like, wait, what is happening? <laughs> like, why are they doing that? Although it seems like a pretty intuitive game, I am still lost. So mm -hmm. that is my background in fantasy. I've always said you don't need to actually watch football to play fantasy football effectively. And so I would ask you a follow-up question. How often do we talk about the theory behind fantasy football? Oh, like daily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like really, really often. It is a lot of what we talk about these days. <laughs> to be fair, we have an eight-month-old, so there's not a lot else going on right now. <laughs> and so I think that's what we're going to focus our conversation today. We don't have a show sheet or anything. Um, I just wanted to talk through some of the things that are going on in my leagues um, and some of the ways that I react. And I'd love you to educate me and the super friends um, as far as what we can do to be better managers, better league mates, be more effective in building our dynasty teams, not through a numbers sense, because that's what spreadsheets are for. That's what Peter Howard is for or a deco or all these other brilliant analysts. We're going to talk about some of the psychology behind fantasy. Um, and so I'm just going to throw it to you, Caitlin, on a general um, general sense. When you're playing in a game with 11 other people, mm -hmm. um, so you're shooting for a 1 in 12 outcome, and you're being highly rewarded for being first. Mm -hmm. um, being third or fourth really doesn't matter. Being second doesn't really matter that much. Um, let's talk about some of the psychology behind seeking that super rare outcome um, in a game. Um, and so what mentality would you approach a 12-person game um, where you're, you're trying to uh, beat them, not once, but beat them for years to come? Mm -hmm. Okay, so all of the things we're talking about today are the teams where you like carry on your team year to year? Yeah, that's called the Dynasty League, yep. Got it. So like that totally changes the dynamic, right? I think you'd have a totally different strategy. I mean, depending, but like, I would guess if you are a one and done, you just like friggin' go hard. You can burn all of the bridges. It matters a lot less in this league, which I don't, we don't talk about as much because I, I don't think you play the social game as much, but like, I do think that those dynamics are much more relevant it is like a strategy game, but like with a survivor element, right? We've been watching a lot of survivor in our post baby days. Um, and there is this component where it's like, okay, you either want to be likable or strategic. There is some sort of dynamic, but I think like the general principle that I would encourage just from my background. And again, I don't play fantasy. I really don't know how to play fantasy, but the things that come from psychology are the basics of decision-making. And so like my bread and butter, the thing I talk about, the thing I think about all day, every day is emotion and the ways in which emotion can impact our decision-making in positive and negative ways. And so like emotions get a lot of slack, right? Like they feel bad and you do not want them a lot of the time. And especially when you're playing strategy games, we think like those get in the way. We should make decisions based in logic, based on our head, and to some extent, yes, and yet our emotions are these little signals to us, right? When we feel disappointment, that is a signal that there was something important there and we lost it. We didn't get it and we really want it. 
And so that guides us, right? Like if we didn't care at all when we lost, that's probably a signal we shouldn't play fantasy anymore. We just don't care enough. Unless we're doing it strictly for money, that means like we don't have that heart that is in it because it is that heart that means that when we lose, we're going to be disappointed. And so I watch week after week when my dear husband, who is like the most diehard Jaguars fan, like I know we all are loyal to our teams, but like I swear this man is the most loyal to a team I can imagine. And I truly see like when they lose, which like sometimes does occur, it really does seem like devastation. And that's because this is something he's really invested in. And that took me a long time to actually be able to validate and understand because to me it was like, all right, it's a football game, right? Like it, we don't know any of these people. It, like we all know that they're not great or better now. Thank you, Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I, I truly see it as, as though his heart is broken over and over and over again. And that's because he has love for this team. And when you love something and you don't get it, you feel sadness. You feel disappointment. That's a human emotion. And so we want to honor We want to listen to that in the same way where when you're trading and you're like, I have this really fair trade and they're going to go for it. And I'm so pumped about it. And they're like, nah, man you're going to feel frustrated because you have this goal. You want this player and it's been blocked. And yet we can feel the emotions. Those are important. They tell us like, mm, I really wanted that. And yet when we act on those things, if you are so disappointed, you're like, fine, I'm never going to watch football again. Fine. I'm trading away Trevor Lawrence and all of my leagues because I can't handle this anymore. Fine. I'm going to send this snarky message to this person I was trading with that says, you dumb, can I swear? We try to keep it clean. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you jerk. I can't believe you would even do that. It actually harms you in the long run, right? Because like when emotions are really high, what happens, and this might be too technical, but basically we have the limbic system in our brain. It is our reptile brain. It's our animal brain. It has the amygdala and that's our like threat cue. Oh my gosh, there's a problem. What happens when emotions are really high is that lights up and we are just like, oh my gosh, I have to do things right now and it's really urgent and I got to follow my urge. And our thinking brain, the prefrontal cortex, it goes offline. When our amygdala is too strong, we cannot think, even if we want to. It's not because we're weak. It's not because we're illogical. It's because our brain goes offline. And so in those moments, we don't want to make decisions. We don't want to make giant changes in our roster. We don't want to decide to trash the whole thing and try again next year. We don't want to send that snarky message to the person we were trying to get someone from, even though the urge totally makes sense and the emotion is really strong. And so like the first principle I would say is noticing when you are in this like emotional state, we call it emotion mind and doing things to regulate. And like, for me, when it's not fantasy football, that's like, you got to go to bed. If that <laughs> still seems like a good idea in the morning, we can think about it. But like, oh, don't do that yet. Go to bed. And fantasy, at least for you, it's a little harder because like trades are happening all the time. And so you can't always just go to bed. But like, oh, wow, would I encourage you to like take a breath, take a beat, do some breathing, do something to calm down and like shake it out of your system before you act on that impulse. So you get to be in control. You get to decide, is this a thing I really want? Or is this like my reptile brain hijacking my decision-making 
and making me dumber, making me do things that I will regret a week from now, a month from now, especially if this is something that you're doing for the long haul, you know? And to put some actionability behind it, if that's not the way that your brain always works, you can take advantage of your league mates acting in this way. Mm -hmm. um, for me and my leagues, trading opens up at midnight after the Monday game, so technically Tuesday morning. Right now, we've got teams that are probably at the bottom of the standings who are leaning into potentially rebuilding if they're not already. You know, things haven't gone right for them. They may be experiencing some of this, right? Things aren't going the way that they want. Mm -hmm. They may be acting irrationally. And I'm, I'm not saying to take advantage of somebody, but this creates a window in which players who previously may not have been available you could have some access to, right? Mm -hmm. You could pay up um, to pull players off of managers' rosters um, in ways that weren't available a few weeks ago by taking advantage of this uh, shutting down of the logic brain, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. That is usually the opposite of what we encourage people <laughs> to do. And like in a strategy game, for sure, we, mm -hmm. we want to know about this. We want to know the principles of how all of the factors that impact decision-making. And I think like we want to be able to understand like what are the things that give us that tiny advantage? Like mm -hmm. how can we notice those moments where we are more likely to get the things we want? And like in daily life, that might be manipulative, that might be problematic. And in this context, like that is what we want to do. We the whole game is like, how can I get the assets that I want? And so this is important. Mm -hmm. And you touched on something a little while ago that I for sure wanted to bring up because I want your advice on, mm -hmm. and that's dealing with the difficult manager. There's one in or multiple in every single league that I'm in. Uh, you send them a trade offer. Sometimes it's fair. Sometimes it's not. We all send varying degrees of quote unquote, good offers. Um, but you get just, you know, the FUs and all these other horrible things in the comments. Mm -hmm. And that's typically why I don't read the comments in trade rejections. Mm -hmm. um, not because I'm sending out a ton of terrible offers. Sometimes I do. Um, but because I just don't want to activate that part of my brain that is emotion based when I'm trading. Sure. Um, but I'm assuming if somebody is sending me those types of messages, mm -hmm. they're probably sending a similar type of message if they get that type of trade from a different manager. Totally. How do we take advantage of that? How do we navigate that? Mm -hmm. Because nobody wants to be in a league with a bunch of jerks. Yep. Um, and yet people are genuinely offended sometimes when you send an offer they don't think is very good. Sure. And I think like from the sender end, right, like, <laughs> that is a great example of like, we got disappointed, we got frustrated, things were not as expected. And so we act on that urge. And I would just like pause to be like, all right, what do I want? What is my goal here yep. as the sender? And I'll get back to like when you were receiving those things. But if my goal is to trade with this person again, then like being like F you is so unlikely to get me to my goal. If my goal is just to express frustration and anger, then sure, maybe that is effective. Maybe that is your way of being like, that's insulting. There are still better ways to do that. But like, that would be 
in line with your goal. But if your goal is to say, man, I really want this. How do we make this happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being like F you is certainly not going to get you closer to your goal. So I would just, that is that moment where emotion is high, where you pause and you're like, all right, what do I really want here? It's called effectiveness in my world. Like, what is my actual goal? And then like, what is my urge? My urge is to sting them. It's to like have a little barb where I hook in to be like, I, I think you're bad. Mm-hmm. And that is a really strong urge that we all get all the time in our relationships. It just, when do we act on that versus saying, I want to maintain this relationship in the long term, especially if we're going year after year after year. And so that's that moment where you infuse a little bit of restraint and translate the FU into like, man, I really thought that that was a fair trade. Can I get some feedback? as to how to make that better instead of saying, fuck you. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then to get back to your question, when you receive that from a behavioral standpoint, the most effective thing to do is to ignore it. And so like, actually you not reading your comments Mm -hmm. is literally punishing those types of comments. So punishment from a behavioral standpoint is anything that reduces the likelihood of it happening in the future. And ignoring, withdrawing warmth, withdrawing praise, withdrawing attention is one of the most effective things to do. We do it with kiddos. We do it with animals. It is more effective than shouting, than engaging, because they're not getting anything to keep engaging. If they're like, F you, and you're like, what the heck? That was an unfair trade. And here are all the reasons. It just invites them to bring more. Where they're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, it wasn't. Here are all the ways in which you're wrong. And if you don't want that, like, oh, man, don't engage. And it's this shiny little threat thing where they're being angry, they're attacking you. And our natural urge is to defend ourselves, is to say like, "Uh uh-uh, you're the one who's wrong. And yet when we do that, we continue the conversation. And if that's what you want, if you want a dialogue, then you can. You can say like, here are all the reasons why I don't agree with that. But if what you want is to discourage them from ever doing that again, the most effective thing is to stop. And then there's this really cool strategy that I love from assertiveness training that is called broken record. And if somebody is sending you undesirable messages, you start out by being like, hey, man, that is not going to work. I will not be trading for this person. Thank you for your interest, but this will not happen. Mm -hmm. And if they keep sending the trades over and over and over again, you just keep sending back. You can like literally have a copy paste text where you're like, I understand you really want this person and they are not available. I understand that you want this person and they are not available. You can even add validation, like understanding their experience and their frustration. Like, I know you really want him. I know this must be frustrating and he is not available. And if you just keep on saying the same thing over and over and over again, people eventually will receive it. Often when emotion is high, we are unable to receive information. It is back to that thinking brain, right? Like we just can't absorb it. We don't want to hear that. And so we're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, but if you just see what I have, then maybe you're going to. And so sometimes we have to say things over and over and over again before it can land, before that person hears it. And if not, it is just like an easy, effective thing that you can do that highlights your limit and maintains your self-respect without engaging in like dirty stuff, you know? I had a situation where I adopted an orphan this off season and one of the managers was that persistent person who 
maybe wasn't sending the kindest words and they were offering these deals, telling me how great the deal was for me. And so I was reinforcing and using that broken record technique. Mm -hmm. And I got frustrated because, mm -hmm. you know, I had done this for probably 20 offers in, in a single day. And so to diffuse the situation, I started sending uh, movie reviews from Google <laughs> just to that random movies day. from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and so it'd just be like some random Google uh, person uh, reviewing Free Willy 2. Mm -hmm. And that really worked. It broke them out <laughs> of the cycle of sending me these offers repeatedly with essentially no change and trying to convince me that they were helping me out, which of course they weren't. Um, but there are alternative strategies to where it's like you have to almost pour cold water over the situation mm -hmm. at times because if if I intend on being in a league for multiple years, there are some folks that I just I know to stay away from. But the most active among us, even if they're difficult, I I want them to possibly be difficult with my league mates and to trade with me because that opens up more access to um, higher value players, uh, bigger cast of players, and so. I'm not necessarily trying to train them out of those habits, but mm -hmm. I am trying to navigate it more effectively. Um, mm -hmm. That's such an interesting point, right? Like it depends on your goal. If you want to train them out of it, then like punishing things, either like actively saying, this is not okay, please do not do this again, or like it's called negative punishment, but like taking away something positive and desirable. So just not responding. If you want to shape the behavior, those are the strategies. If you want them to keep doing it with other people, then it's this interesting twist, right? Because you don't actually want to punish the behavior because that generalizes to other people. Not always, but it has the possibility to. Mm -hmm. If you are cool with them being annoying, but you just don't want the trade, then I do think like a broken record, some sort of diffusion strategy would be effective where it's not like you suck, but mm -hmm. this trade is not going to happen. And therefore it doesn't punish like your style necessarily, but it punishes this specific thing so that it is likely to stop. Yeah. And I have reinforced to the super friends that they should circle back to trade offers, um, even as much as on a monthly basis. So mm -hmm. let's say I want AJ Brown. Um, I think he's a good receiver, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, I'm an Eagles fan, let's say. Um, I don't have him on a, on all of my rosters every single month. I am willing to reach out to the manager who has AJ Brown and just say like, Hey, uh, what's it going to take this time or send an offer? Like, will this work yet? Like I see that it's about fair market value. I'll overpay by adding a second, whatever, something like that. So that's different. That is not being a problematic trade partner. That's just being a somewhat persistent and sometimes annoying trade partner. Absolutely. And like, I don't even, okay. So this personal thing, I would not find that annoying. I think that that is a self-respect assertiveness thing, yep. right? Like, you know, a thing that you want, you are not over and you're not chiding them. You are not being rude or mean to them. You are not calling them names when they're not giving you what you want. And it, it reminds me of our friend, Melissa, right? She really wanted her office to be painted and Duke was supposed to paint her office. They weren't painting her office. And so every week she would just send an email to maintenance that would say like, hey, I hope you're having a wonderful week. I am still waiting on this. Would you mind sending me an update on what's going to happen? And you don't have to come across as like aggressive or demanding or mean. It just truly is a reminder of like, hey, 
I still want this thing. And I think for a lot of people, pride gets in the way of that, where if you're rejected a few times, then you're like, well, screw you. I don't, I don't want to trade with you anyway. I will just not get that thing and I will resent you in the long term. And like, sure, that is a natural, like th those emotions are natural. And yet, if that is really a thing that you want, it is so much more effective to keep circling back, to keep circling back, even if every time you're like ego, your pride takes a tiny hit where you're like, oh, I still didn't get the thing I want. The only way you're going to get the thing you want is if you continue to persist and you're most likely to get it if you do that in a kind way. You don't have to be like sugary, brown nosy, mm -hmm. you know, like people don't like that either. But if you were just really clear and like, I am willing to do more than a fair trade to get this thing because I really value this thing. And in some ways that's vulnerable, right? Like you don't want to show your hand too much. Like when you're playing cards, I imagine and be like, man, I just desperately want Dobbins. Like everybody, I know he's our aunt. <laughs> oh, that breaks my heart. But like I would, if I were playing up until recently, would have done most things to get Dobbins. That is not something you want to share with your teammates. And yet if there's something you really, really want, coming back within reason at a set interval, mm -hmm. not like every day, because people will get really annoyed by that, but like once a month, once a week, whatever it is, with a legitimate offer. I see this all the time with you and it blows my mind. People will be like, I would kill for Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, of course, Mahomes is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then they'll send you garbage and you'll be like, no, but if you do a lot better, maybe, and they just continue to send garbage. And so like in those moments, if you really, really want something and it makes sense, it isn't just like you love Trevor Lawrence. So mm -hmm. let's get all the Trevor Lawrence. It is, this will be compatible with my team. This will help me succeed in the long term. It is worth X, Y, and Z. I am willing to go this far above a fair trade. And that feels wise. That feels good do it. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't have to always have the thing that wins in some trade analysis. It can be, it can be heart. It can be gut. It can be long-term strategy. Be willing to sacrifice a little bit of pride to get the thing you want. Yeah. I'd like to switch gears now. Um, there's, there's so many different directions that we can take this. Um, I want to talk about being different. Cool. Um, so 12 person league again, so mm -hmm. you have 11 league mates. Mm -hmm. A lot of people follow tried and true strategies. And I think that makes a ton of sense from a risk management standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, you, you don't fall too far out of the norm. Like there's some sort of strength in the herd. Yep. However, the longer I play this game, mm -hmm. dynasty fantasy football, mm -hmm. I have found my edges are in doing things dramatically different than mm -hmm. the consensus. It's very uncomfortable for me to do that. Um, no, it's not. It is. It is because <laughs> you have to be willing to be mocked. Yeah. You have to be willing to try something that other people aren't doing. Mm -hmm. And so it can cost us financially, not a lot, but something. It can cost sure. us financially. Um, it can cause me stress. I, I genuinely get disappointed when I lose in my leagues as well. I care about real football, but I also care about how my leagues are doing. And so it affects me on a Tuesday if mm -hmm. I have lost mm -hmm. in my leagues. And putting myself out there on this sort of tenuous ledge um, 
by choosing to construct my rosters differently or value players differently mm -hmm. or to try to create different league economies is is genuinely daunting. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear your perspective on a game when the outcome of being one of 12 is dramatically um, rewarded and everything else is less so sure. of, of trying to build edges, trying to be better than everybody else at the same thing sure. or by pursuing, you know, changing your spots. Sure, 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 sure. So like, again, I think different when we are in this type of league, if we are like a one and done, I actually think your strategy makes much more sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like if only number one counts, like do some crazy stuff with the possibility of getting number one, because the value of being two or three is so much lower that like, sure, if you are safe and you have like a thousand leagues, be two, be three, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You will still make money. And if that is the motivation, right? Like if your motivation is make a decent amount of money doing a lot of things that's a really different map than you play right like you can't actually watch every single league if you're in a hundred if you're in a thousand maybe you can but like oh man could i not do that you you have to kind of like play how i would play the stock market because i don't know the stock market it's like you people who know the stock market you say get this big group of things i'll do that that seems safe like that is a reasonable thing if you were down to be like over time consistently second or third. And that is a totally fair and reasonable approach, right? Yeah. Like your approach, I don't think you could do it the other way because your goal is different because like you, part of the fun is, is pushing that boundary is pushing that edge. And that is why like you have more likelihood of being like one or eight, right? Like totally. And that actually is still beneficial. If one is that much more important than two, three, then if you are one in like out of every four leagues, that's still like a boost over and above being three in all four leagues. And so I do think the reward structure from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, the reward structure of fantasy football is such that it does reinforce being different as long as you can do it in a smart way. Like you can't just like willy nilly be like, everyone says Mahomes is awesome. So I'm going to pick this like horrible quarterback and see if that wins instead. Like you do so much work. I don't know if you guys realize how much work my husband <laughs> puts into fantasy football. It is, it is constantly on his brain and is constantly like <laughs> the thing that he will be doing while holding the baby. Like it is a part of your life. It is a part of, your heart and that is why that that is the thing why you're disappointed when it doesn't go well is because like this really truly matters to you and so i think you have to do it you have to experiment with like where are the edges of the rules in fantasy football like how can i like kind of mess with this system you have this giant brain and it, it sees this as kind of like a war strategy game where mm -hmm. it's just like all right you left this loophole and I'm going to exploit it. I'm going to take all the quarterbacks. What you going to do now? Right. And like, people just don't do that because that's weird. Yep. And yet like your brain sees things, you know, like when we are driving in the car, you'll be like, so like, what if mailboxes had legs? I'm like what? Mm -hmm. Why would, what? <laughs> but like, that is your brain, your brain, your, you have synesthesia. And so like you think in these creative ways where, it is not the way that most people think about it. And the way that most people think about it 
is really good. It's effective. It works a lot of the time. You try to like weave around that and find where are the boundaries. And then you go to a lot of data to push it. And so I think that is an amazing strategy. It just, I have to let everyone know it takes him a lot of work. Like he looks at a lot of spreadsheets. He looks at a bunch of different sources of data. It is not like he just has this whim and it's like, all right, guys, it's not like me. It's not like Dobbins team. Everybody just go for Dobbins. Like you really do. You think about what is my strategy five years from now in some of these leagues. Mm -hmm. And you're willing to make these tiny micro trades of, I will get like a 0.02% value increase. And I think there are a lot of people who are not willing to do that. I wouldn't be willing to do that. And so I think it really depends on like what you are trying to get out of fantasy. If you just want to have fun, if you just want to connect with the community, that's a really different thing than like, I want to win. I want to correlate this to something though. I want to correlate it to fingerprints. Sure. Everyone has different fingerprints, right? We all have different cognitive abilities, mm -hmm. things, uh, we solve puzzles differently, right? Mm -hmm. We approach systems differently. You don't have to be a data analyst mm -hmm. to be different. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't have to um, spend hours and hours a day looking at spreadsheets or creating mm -hmm. data sets or running, you know, regressions. Like you don't, you don't have to do all that. What you have to do is take lessons from your real life and try to apply it to fantasy as much as it relates. That's what I do. Uh, I'm in energy management. And so I see um, top 30 assets as nuclear power plants. That just makes sense to me. That might not make any sense to anybody else. But for me, it's like, oh, of course they are. They're nuclear power plants and running backs are intermittent peakers or, um, you know, micro hydro systems. Like, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but that's how my brain works. What I want to encourage the super friends to do is lean into how their brain works mm -hmm. to find edges where you're not just looking at consensus rankings. Mm -hmm. You're not just looking at a mock draft simulator. You're, you're doing things that make better sense to you than what the market is telling you mm -hmm. and to approach it that way, like to truly lean into who you are and let your dynasty teams be represented in that way. Totally. Like that, 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 that is it. I think like my entire world centers around values and it feels a little silly to apply those to fantasy football. And yet like that is the question, right? Your values are like, who do I want to be? It's not who am I? Like, do I eat salads every day? No. Like, do I want to be healthy? Do I want to like live a long time? Yes. And so like your values are what you care about, how you want to be remembered, how you want to approach life. And I think that is the thing that we want to think about in terms of like, how do we parent? How do we partner? How are we playing fantasy football? And it might seem silly, but that totally impacts what we are doing. If we are there and it's like, my goal is to make money. Mm -hmm. That looks different than like, my goal is to experiment. My goal is to like be the best. My goal is to push the envelope and there are so many different things. It could just be like, I want community. I don't want to win because I want to let my wife win. <laughs> <laughs> That's never going to happen. I know. <laughs> but like, there are so many things. And I think that will help guide you when you're making these decisions. I will say your brilliant, brilliant brain 
is not the way that most brains work. And so like, if you do not have some grand thing drawn from your experience that ties it to nuclear power plants and you're like, aha, therefore I should buy this guy. That's okay too, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is about trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. And when, when people are like, Hey, don't do that. It's okay to say, I'm going to try that. And I know the stakes are higher because like you carry these teams for a long time. And so it is easy to say, like, just do it. And if you mess up, you can fix it, but you can, mm -hmm. right? Like, even if you try a thing and it doesn't work, this is the long haul. So you have the opportunity to like learn from like, which parts of that didn't work? Which parts of that did work? Did it work? But the outcome wasn't what I thought. But I think as a principal, you're spot on where it's just like, what do I want out of this? If I want it to be fun, then that's a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. Then we don't stress so much. We are not constantly checking the thing and figuring out, oh no, I'm devastated. We we do something different. Yeah. And what I want to, I want to put a bow on this part of the conversation and move on. Mm -hmm. um, but how I want to close is, do you think that you are honestly capable of beating 11 other people at the exact same strategy? If the answer is yes, then sit in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. That makes a ton of sense. If the answer is no, and it's a no for me, I'm not better at scouting players, um, at watching film, at figuring out rookie profiles, at start sit decisions, honestly at roster management than 11 other people in every single league. And so I have to find edges in being different because I can't win by being the same as them. Um, but let's move on. I want to talk about perseverance. Cool. So I'm just going to explain the general construct to you, Caitlin, of rookie draft picks. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit me. So if you win the championship in most leagues and it's a 12 team league, you get the 12th overall rookie pick sure. in the upcoming draft. Mm -hmm. um, if you get second, you get the 11th pick. If you're the worst team, you get the first pick and yep. everything in between, right? You can trade away these picks um, mm -hmm. before the rookie draft occurs. Sometimes you can trade multiple years out. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen I've seen that when I've been trade master. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he lets me do his trades for him. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Very explicit instructions, team. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of really smart people recommend holding on to your, uh, first round pick of the next year, just in case things don't go well. Sure. Um, there are players this year, like Nick Chubb, who's a running back. Mm. He got hurt. Dobbins got hurt. Cooper cup got hurt. Jonathan Taylor held out. Breaking my heart, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even like George Kittle has had a slow start and Mark Andrews missed week one. So there are all these great players. And let's say you rostered all of them. You, you could be 0-4 right now. Sure. Um, and so that's why really smart people advocate for having your, your first round pick in next year's rookie draft. In case you don't do well, you get a really high one and you get like a top 30 player um, in the overall dynasty space who's a rookie. Sure. However, I have noticed a movement since I started playing, and it was probably before, but it's really um, been resounding for me in giving up by like week three, if not before. Nope. And this is a 14 week regular season typically, and you have a few weeks for playoffs. Mm -hmm. 
So we're like months away mm -hmm. um, from concluding this season. I want to talk about what it takes to persevere when things aren't going well. Mm. And I also afterward want to talk about carrying momentum forward when things are going well mm -hmm. and, and keeping that moving. Sure. Totally. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Okay. So what, uh, my, my first impulse was to go towards when people are like, everything will be wonderful once I just move, yep. once it is the new year. I am going to totally trash my diet. I'm going to totally trash everything else. But on this date, it's going to start over. And I was like, sure, you can do that. But like, really what you're doing is just giving up and saying, we will do it again then. And it's like, the question is, why not now? Right. So like if it is acceptance, acceptance is like really helpful. If we observe reality and are like, this is actually not possible. And that is a fact. Like if we are on week 13. Right now we're moving into week five. Sure. But like if we are how. Yeah. So the playoffs typically start week 14. Sure. So if we're on like week 10 and we have done nothing, mm -hmm. that might be a literal time for acceptance. Where you're like, here's the reality. I am not going to win this year. What can I do moving forward? Still out of a wisdom place, not out of like a panic, scrambling, despair place, but out of a, what can I learn from what happened this year? What are the things I want to keep? What are the things I want to get rid of? As you would in any other domain of your life. There is no other domain where you'd be like, man, my relationship sucks. Let's like throw that all out and see what else is out there. Like you would be like, okay, what do we need? to work on? What do we need to make this better moving forward? And it blows my mind that you would do the opposite in fantasy where it's like, all right, let's just toss it and mm -hmm. see what else after week three. And so from a despair perspective, I would say like, check the facts, which basically means your emotion is telling you everything is hopeless. We're all doomed because that's what emotions do. That's what they're supposed to do. If you've seen Inside Out, we are like in the fear camp where everything's on fire. We got to start over. And I would just check that and look at like, what are the facts? Like, what do I need to do right now? And because it is beneficial either way to have like growth and slowness and lack of impulsivity, mm -hmm. thinking through at every point, like, what is it that I can do? Is it resignation masquerading as acceptance where you're just like, yeah, I'm doomed. Everything is horrible. Well, versus... here's, here's the thing is, let's say yeah. you are doomed, sure. right? Sure. What happens next year mm -hmm. when you're one in three or two and two mm -hmm. is your impulse to say like, well, I was doomed last year. Mm -hmm. I was doomed the year before. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing great right now. Mm -hmm. Am I doomed again? Are you, are you creating a cycle for yourself to where you're not giving yourself the credit of working through a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. The difficult mm -hmm. thing is grinding through waivers, finding those small edges in trades, mm -hmm. uh, optimizing your, your roster construction, mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. a little bit lucky. Yeah. Just being lucky is not a bad thing. It's a skill when you open yourself up to receiving that. If you give up, mm -hmm. you don't get lucky in a good way not in a way that earns you money in fantasy football. Totally. Okay. I have many thoughts again. Um, so I think 
we have schemas, which are basically these networks of thought patterns that sometimes are active and sometimes are not. So I can have the schema, I am a freaking amazing wife. Mm -hmm. And when that schema is activated, I'm like, mm, I did this and I did this and I did this and he loves me and it's awesome and all of that stuff, please. And when I'm feeling really good, that schema gets activated. When I do a really kind thing for my husband, it's like, mm, way to go. You killed it. You rocked it. Way to go. And then sometimes I mess up, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm a horrible wife. I'm a horrible partner. Look at all the things I'm not doing for this person who I love and care about. And so those are schemas. And those are thoughts that are activated by emotions. When we have had disappointment over and over again, when we feel it for a moment, even if there's other data saying you're doing okay, when we feel that disappointment of losing once, that schema is activated. If we have lost over and over again, that schema of like, oh, it's happening again. We're back in this. I thought I was doing better, but clearly that was all wrong. I need to just give up. Why am I even doing this? All of those things come up and that's natural, right? Like that is how emotions work is they activate they love themselves. They activate other thoughts that are consistent with that. And so it really does come back to noticing like, all right, those are thoughts. Thoughts are thoughts. They are not reality. I am having the thought that everything is doomed. I don't have to listen to that. I can look at that thought and ask myself like, is that based in reality or emotion? And so like sometimes reality, sometimes it's like, it is happening again. You do have a bad team. You are not going to win. <laughs> yep. And you act differently based on that when that is reality versus like, no, I'm having that thought. The reality is like, I am doing pretty well. I am doing better than I was last year. The mm -hmm. changes I made worked. And it might be that this year I'm in third instead of seventh. And we have to accept that, that like overnight, these big global changes might not happen. Sometimes they do, but sometimes it might take a couple years to go from I am seventh to I am second. And we have to notice when our, when our urges are ugh, give it all up, when we're disappointed, when we're hopeless, and to actually check in with like, what is reality? And that's a really hard thing to do when we're feeling disappointed. So I would encourage you to like take some space before you toss your team and say like, oh, it's happening again. Everything is doomed. Like go outside and play with your kid. Go <laughs> do anything other than fantasy football and then circle back and like talk to a trusted other. Be like, hey, yep. I'm worried this thing is happening. Here are the actual stats. What do you think? Ideally, someone who knows more about fantasy football. Yeah, somebody who plays fantasy football. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing is if this is the pervasive thought mm -hmm. in the dynasty space, especially on Twitter, um, that if it's not going well or if you don't have a super team, you should yep. lean into a rebuild. Yep. Um, that means your league mates are more likely to do that than you. And so mm -hmm. you don't have to beat 11 people. Mm -hmm. If three of them are going to give up, that gives you all sorts of access to players that they aren't going to pick up on waivers. It gives you access to the competing players on their rosters who mm -hmm. they are going to give up uh, more cheap, cheaply than they should. Mm -hmm. And so you can become a contender in week seven, mm -hmm. whereas right now it still looks kind of bleak. Mm -hmm. For me, it's, it's usually about perseverance. It's about having the guts to stay with it 
even when things aren't going well. I, I remember being a little kid having to give a presentation and being super embarrassed and like stumbling over my words, but you have to stay up there and finish the dang presentation. Like treat yourself that way. You know, we're still a work in progress. This is not something that has been completely written by any means, this being the season. You have a lot of options moving forward to turn this thing around. And if other people have already given up, it doesn't even really matter if you give up too. You wanna be different. If they're all quitting, they're more likely to get the 101 in the rookie draft. You're not competing in that sandbox anymore. You have to find a different one um, because they're gonna beat you to the bottom because they're, they're more willing to gut their teams in problematic ways in the pursuit of the 101. I saw this all last year because mm -hmm. of the allure of Bijan Robinson. <laughs> mm -hmm. And people just gutted their teams they got into the off season and very smart people told them if your team isn't in a strong place, it's not ready for Bijan Robinson. So you have to trade him away. And so people gutted their teams, wasted an entire year of buy-ins, and then were told that they couldn't even have the prize. <laughs> so they traded him away. No, that's a miserable way to play dynasty. In my opinion, mm -hmm. I would rather have an opportunity for success. But that leads into the next topic that I want to talk about, and that is checking yourself when you do have success. <laughs> when things are going well, uh -huh. sometimes you feel bulletproof, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might feel the ego stroke up a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And you might think you know better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You might think because you, you made a couple good roster moves that the next one's going to also be good. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to talk about overconfidence in a game where you're one manager of 12. Sure. And okay. So like to be clear in a game based in luck and also strategy, we do want to feel proud of our accomplishments. Like when we do well in the same way where we feel disappointed when we lose, I want you to feel proud. I want you to feel excited. Like that is why we're doing this is to be able to say like, heck yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the Jaguars won or <laughs> my league won. And like, we want, we want to celebrate everyone that we have because like this is a game. This is a thing that like we are doing financially, but also like because we love it because of that thrill, because of that dopamine hit where you say like, mm, yes, that feels good. The problem is that when we are on a dopamine high, much like mania, actually, like we can sometimes snowball and feel invincible. It's that principle, like, I don't know, we have this tradition where when we have a really crappy day, we buy scratch tickets and you like scratch them. And like, we're pretty lucky. Mm -hmm. like, we win more <laughs> than we should win. And so like, we get this like, Mm, we won. And the urge is like, let's trade this in and get more scratch tickets. And like, we are pretty smart people, right? Like we know that eventually you will lose. That is like literally the system. We will not ride that train forever. And yet when you're like, oh my God, but like all of them won. Mm -hmm. like, we are just really lucky humans. We can do scratch tickets. <laughs> we know that is not true. And yet like I, I have had that thought. I imagine <laughs> you've had that thought. Sure. And it's just like, wow, your reason goes out the window. Luck does not change statistics. Mm -hmm. It is actually how OCD happens. It's like I wore these socks and the Jaguars won. 
Therefore, if I wear these socks, they are more likely to win. That is the way our brains work. We want control. We want to be able to predict things. And so we come up with these magical principles where it's like, if I have this type of beer and I wear these type of socks and I wave a flag at this exact moment, then it will happen. None of that is true at all. And it is tough because like superstition is kind of fun. We like want to hang on to it. You do it. I Mm -hmm. do it. And yet like that is magical thinking. That does not actually increase your probability. That is the same thing that happens when we're overconfident. It's like we start to develop magical thinking where it's like I cannot lose. And we throw out literal statistics where it's like here's the likelihood that I win. Here's the likelihood that I get X number of points. We're just like. Ooh, but I'm so good at scratch tickets. And so like in those moments, I want you to separate the emotion from behavior. You can feel excitement. I want you to feel excitement. That is good. That is positive. That is why we do this. That is why we live is to feel that like, oh, heck yeah, we did it. And when it's like more and more and more, and maybe I should do this risky thing because I can't lose. That's when you want to check yourself and Mm -hmm. be like, all right, if I do that and it doesn't work, How am I going to feel a week from now? How am I going to feel a month from now? How can I celebrate in ways that are not impulsive and reckless that still feel right? It is the exact same principle as negative emotions. When we are excited, it feels the same as anxiety in our body. It just is a different valence. And so the same thing happens. Our prefrontal cortex shuts down. And our emotion system is partying. And in those cases, we don't want to shut it down because it feels so good. And yet, if we're in a strategy game, it is as important as if you are pissed, if you're furious, if you are wrathful, if you are pumped and excited and on top of the world, you still need to check yourself in the same way as you would if you were devastated. You don't want to make decisions from that place. You want to back up and think about like, what actually matters, what is important, and what are the decisions to make from that space, not from the emotion space. And let's shift it to the interpersonal dynamics. Let's Mm -hmm. say you do have a super team. Mm -hmm. um, And so you've acquired 15 of the top 30 players. Uh, You're just wiping the floor with everybody. Interpersonally, like, what is the most effective way to keep that league healthy, engaged, uh, not mad at you, still (laughs) trading with you? Um, and not seeing you as an other, somebody that is going to be shut out of trade negotiations or may cause the league to fold because it seems uh, so undesirable to be in a league with with such an elite uh, team that they just, they want to leave. How do we keep people engaged if we are so superior to others um, to where if we don't change the way that we communicate that they may not be a part of the league anymore? Honestly? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I I think had I not seen you in some of those leagues catch up and be like, well, can't, you know, like there is some t- like in Monopoly, right? Like when somebody takes the lead, everyone else is kind of doomed, you know? And like if you have 15 of the 30 best players, if you just hold on to them. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, new blood comes in really slowly, but, like, 
the likelihood of people despairing in that time is so high. It really does like the morale and the bitterness and the resentment. Like, I think those are really natural things where it's just like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I think it is natural to feel those things. You can't be a jerk would be my first principle It's like, you can't gloat about it. You can't Lord things over people. You can't like, be like, give me everything so I can give you scraps. Like you don't want to be the dictator in all of the movies, yeah. right? Like you want to be somebody who has benevolent power, who is able to like empathize, to validate, to like encourage other people. And I will say like, just for anyone who is in that position, I truly have seen you, Tommy, go from like taking on an orphan league where there is somebody who you have graphs. Does everyone have those graphs? No. Okay. So like I see him with these graphs where it's like, here's the top player. And then everyone else is like in this bar graph, like 25% of this one person. And you're like, uh oh, well, like you can't do that. And I literally see his little bar graph, like climbing and climbing and climbing. You have to be willing to put in work. If somebody is that far ahead, it isn't mm-hmm. going to be it probably isn't going to be in that year that you catch up to that. I mean, you probably can. I disagree. (laughs) It would be really hard to catch that. And like this entire, the premise of this whole system that you guys have made is patience. It is not that like when one person is the emperor, you're doomed forever. Like you're a bunch of rebels and you're like i'm gonna take down the emperor and like you have to do that and sometimes that requires patience maybe not for you but like i do think if you're all hopeless and you all leave then sure that that reinforces the system but you have to be savvy you have to be willing to recognize how can I take this really strong person and like take one thing from them? Mm-hmm. Like I think about those like tiny little sharks in shark movies where they like <laughs> take little nibbles out of the person and you're like, oh yeah, you cute little shark. You're not going to do anything. But when there are tons of them, yeah, all of a sudden, man, that's a dead person. And I think of that in a yeah. less morbid way with fantasy where it's just like, you need to redistribute that. And one person can't stay in that level of power. There's regression to the mean over time. Systems want to balance. And so like, you can't stay in that. You can clutch onto it, but Mm -hmm. new people come in, people get hurt, things shift. And so like, I would just encourage you to have hope if you're not that person. And if you are that person, I would encourage humility. And I, I think you already talked about that this week. I might be wrong, but like, yeah, having humility in process. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call the approach that I try to take the J Mike principle um, at J Mike check. I adopted an orphan uh, in a trade addicts league, and he has probably 20 of the top 30 best players. He's built something beyond a super team. Um, but he's a genuinely nice person, mm-hmm. and he's a community builder, mm-hmm. and he cares about you. And so on an interpersonal level, it's just, it's warm and comfortable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nice to get my ass kicked by this guy mm-hmm. every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he does, I think is brilliant. He built up this amazing team, right? What he does is he redistributes the players for draft picks and he takes about 80% value on the draft picks. That way, Everyone else thinks they might have a chance if X, Y, and Z and several other letters fall correctly. Um, 
but he still beats the hell out of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think from a strategic perspective, Mm -hmm. brilliant, savvy, Mm -hmm. from an interpersonal perspective, I love the guy. And Mm -hmm. as much as I try to beat him, like you said, I'm really struggling in that league. And I've pushed as hard as I can to get win now pieces. I've got Mm -hmm. great tight ends. I've grabbed some really good quarterbacks and it's just, it is, it's, it's almost the piranha principle that you're talking about there where like you have to take small bites out of the elite teams. Mm -hmm. I've seen myself get frozen out of leagues, Mm -hmm. trading markets. And it's like, (laughs) guys, I have a lot of these really good players. I would, I would love to trade with you um, at fair market value. And when I get frozen out, that whole set of points is removed from the league marketplace. And so if you're in a situation where you are not the super team, mm-hmm. I would recommend trying to trade with them. I know they they became that way for some reason. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't you, <laughs> you need to trade with them almost exclusively because they have fewer trade partners. Yeah, that's easy for <laughs> you to say. <laughs> I, I do think like it is easy to I, I you know I have mixed feelings on this. I think it is one of your blind spots yep. is you you do incredible things. And I think that is the difference is if you foster community. So I had this amazing grad school lab and like wow, we worked our butts off, right? Like we worked so hard. And yet like I had this incredible mentor who really made us feel like family and would take us out to happy hours and would do all this stuff so that I wanted to do that. Like I wanted to stay in this lab despite knowing the measly dollars I was making did not nearly make up for how much work I was doing. But like there was this thing where you just liked them, right? And so like if you are the person who is on the top, you want to keep that lead going. And I think like you have some Machiavellian tendencies where sometimes you're like, all right, if the league dies because I stole all the quarterbacks and won't trade them, so be it. I just want to see what's going to happen. And like for an experiment, sure. But like Mm -hmm. for the longevity, if you are actually in that position and you want to keep being on number one, you have to be willing to like lose a little bit less. And like I am going to sound condescending and I apologize in advance, but it's kind of like if you're playing chess against a kid who's learning you don't want to like flat out lose and just let them win because that doesn't teach them anything but like also you want them to have a chance you want them to see like i could do this you don't want to be that person who's just like ha ha gotcha you are nothing because that is so demoralizing if i were in that league and somebody were just like sucka i have a hundred percent of the resources and you have none and i'm never going to give you any leave like of course leave and yet like if you can build that humanity build that community make people invested in you make people invested in the league like do things that build up that team spirit (laughs) i think like you were more willing to lose but like it's not just that it is like this person cares about me i have more opportunity in the long term to like actually make this something that I enjoy doing. And so even if like, it takes me a while to get to where I want to be, it isn't going to be this horrible, miserable experience while I'm doing it. It's like, don't be the horrible, miserable experience, dude. 
<laughs> Honestly, I think that's a perfect place to end this conversation for today. Um, I promised the Super Friends something very different than traditional fantasy football or dynasty content. And I think we did deliver that today. We didn't really talk about players. Um, we couldn't talk about Stop players. <laughs> You don't, you don't know any other players than, than a select few. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But I think that this is exactly the type of content that the space needs. Educated folks from different walks of life who have something to say. Um, and so my hope is that, Caitlin, you'll come on to the show again at some point. Um, and I also hope to bring in some other voices throughout possibly the year or especially in the off season, folks who may or may not play fantasy football, who have powerful uh, information to share with the community. Um, but enough soapboxing, we're an hour in already. Um, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, thank you to DLF for the platform uh, for hosting this type of content. Super appreciative of that. Good luck to everybody um, in your week five matchups. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today uh, or any of the standard operating procedures I went over a few days ago, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at FFTommyV. Unfortunately, you can't reach out to Dr. Fang because nope. she doesn't have a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out of luck. Uh, you're stuck with me. Um, but yeah. He does live with me, though, <laughs> so, you know, he can filter all the nasty stuff. We give me the, <laughs> the stuff. I really appreciate you having me on. I am not sure how helpful this was. This is just, like, the things that I think and talk about in day-to-day -day life. And if there are things that would be more helpful from a psychologist's perspective, I went to school for, like, truly a million years. I literally <laughs> just stopped being in school, and I am quite old. So I, I know a lot of stuff and I, I would be delighted to share it if it is helpful. Um, thank you for having me. All right, cue the music. Thanks everyone. Yeah.